You're listening to the Faith Roots Audio Podcast with Pastor Willie George. You can watch the full video version of this episode and join the conversation with your comments on the Faith Roots YouTube channel. Simply search Faith Roots on YouTube and be sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now, here's Pastor Willie George with today's message. Hello, I'm Willie George. I want to welcome you to this edition of the Faith Roots Podcast. And I so appreciate you joining me, especially those of you who do this faithfully. And if you would, be sure to hit the like button down there at the bottom of your screen. Let people know you like what you're hearing. And it puts us in front of more people when you do that. You really help me out there. So thank you very much. Okay, let's go right into our teaching today. 1 Thessalonians 5.23, New King James Version. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. Uh, Let's talk about the word sanctify here for just a minute. My grandfather was an old-time Texas rancher, and he had an old cowboy hat that was his everyday hat. And when I was a little bitty guy, I, I didn't know that he had two hats. I just knew he had one. And I'd see this old hat, and he had uh, it had dirt on it and cow manure on it, and and the medicine that he gave to cows a lot was blue. So he had that blue medicine stain all over his old hat. But if my grandfather uh, came to see us at the house, came to town, and all that, he had on fresh clothes, and he had the shiniest white hat. I, when I was a little kid, I thought he just cleaned it up. Then I realized, no, he didn't just clean it up. He had a sanctified hat. In other words, he had his daily hat, his work hat, but he also had his his special hat, his dress hat, his sanctified or holy hat. That's what God has done with us. He has set us apart. We are no longer common, or the word profane may not come to you at first, but really that's what profane means. It means common, ordinary, down in the dirt kind of stuff. That's what we were. But the God of peace has set us apart completely. And Paul prays, may your whole spirit, soul, and body be preserved blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. To put it simple, Christ came to undo the work of Adam. Adam did a terrible work in the Garden of Eden. He subjected us, you and me, to sin through his choice in disobeying God. His sin was not a simple act of disobedience because he understood exactly what he was doing. Eve did not. She was tempted and tricked into the sin she committed. But Adam openly and in the light knew what he was doing. He committed treason against God because he knew that the idea that he was subscribing to, the eating of the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, he knew that was being pushed by the devil, and he listened to that. He actually bowed his knee to that. He chose a new master that day. So, Christ came to undo that work. Now, this seems very, very, very unfair to a lot of people. But trust me, this is the wisdom of God that it was done this way. Romans 5, 17, 26 translations. For if the reign of death was established by the one man, Adam, through the sin of him alone, all the more those who receive God's overflowing mercy and gift of of brightness live and reign through the one individual, Jesus Christ. By setting the rules so that only one person had to sin 
to throw the whole world into sin, meaning that only one person had to do the right thing in obeying God all the way through his life. And when he did that, he made it possible for anyone who chose to be made right with God. That is the wonderful thing. Now, somebody said, well, I didn't choose to fall into sin. Oh, yes, you did. We all did. Adam did the first thing, but we all chose to to sin in some way or another, uh, rebelling against God. I chose that. You chose that. We all did. For all of us have sinned. We've all come short of the glory of God. But the good news is that by another choice, we can choose to identify with Christ. Now, this is how God has chosen to conduct his dealings with humanity. He does it through the law of identification. Um, there's a very unpopular law, law I absolutely hate. Uh, it's Roe versus Wade. It, it permitted abortion, legal abortion, in America. And uh, that uh, law established some identification that a woman who chooses in certain states now, she has the right to get an abortion. And, and uh, one of the states here in America is allowing it uh, up to the time the baby's head crowns the womb, coming out of the birth canal. I mean, I find that that's human sacrifice. It, it's hideous. But nonetheless, because of one legal case, thousands of babies have been aborted over the years, actually millions of them. And, and so that's identification in the wrong way. In a good way, God uses identification to bring us back to relationship with Him. When we choose Christ, we identify not only with His righteousness, but here's what happens. We identify with His death. You know, Jesus said, uh, if you're going to come after me, you have to take up your cross. And uh, that's what we do when we confess Christ. We take up a cross. We're saying, you know what, Lord? I'm laying down my old life. That means your old man is dead. Your old spirit is dead. That's literally fulfilled. I don't mean symbolically. I mean literally. In many ways, our rebirth is symbolic, but it's also very, very literal. We are literally born again, and our spirit man literally died the moment we choose to accept Christ, and a new spirit is recreated in its place. All right, we choose to identify also with Christ's resurrection because we are raised up right then, given new life, and this is one that we miss a lot. We don't talk about the ascension. This is a huge part of the work of Jesus, very big part of the work of Jesus. Jesus not only died, not only rose again, but he didn't rise again and then hang around earth. He went back to the right hand of God to be seated on a throne. He is seated on a throne that is strategically placed above all the other thrones in the universe, save one, the throne of God the Father. But Jesus is seated at God's right hand above all of the other thrones and dominions. There are thrones and dominions in this universe that are invisible, that belong to Satan and invisible beings that have a huge influence on the behavior of men in planet Earth. And so many believers don't even consider this when they think about their relationship with God. But your relationship with God will also have a direct impact on your relationship with Satan and his followers. We are then not only forgiven, we have been forgiven of our sins, 
But what Christ did, if He's going to do His work, He's got to completely restore us. If we are completely restored, that means we are brought to a place of dominion in the earth. The Bible says it in the book of Genesis chapter 1. Let man have dominion over the works of God's hands. You find that the works of God's hands extended to the whole of the created universe. That's uh, Psalm chapter 8. So what happened is God restored that in Christ. Christ then raised us up to sit over, ahead of, on top of all of those spiritual entities. The ones that deceived slew, and subjugated Adam. Now I want to read to you from Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1, 2, and 3, 26 translations. And you, likewise, he raised from death to life, who were dead by reason of your trespasses and your sins. Those things killed you. Which were once habitual to you. Now listen, to you. they're not habitual now. They're occasional, rare because we have been called with new power into a new way of life. They were once habitual to you while you walked in the ways of this world and obeyed its unseen ruler, who is still operating in those who do not respond to the truth of God. When you respond to the truth of God, then you've been set free from this unseen ruler. Now listen to what he says. We all lived among them, the people that are without law to God, once, indulging in our physical cravings. It was the body and its desires. Paul earlier, we read this a couple of days ago, he says that the body was the stronghold of sin. We followed and indulged in our physical cravings, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. And by nature, we were doomed to God's wrath like other men. So we were under the control of a group of beings that had no place for God at all. Hate God, God's enemies. So we were ruled by the God of this world. The Bible says we were blinded by Him. And, and by the way, it's the best way to pray for someone in your family that you have influence over. It, the, the great way to pray is to take authority over the God of this world who blinds the minds of those who believe not. That's 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. You know, right before I got saved, about a month, God started working in me. I didn't want to follow Christ. I had relatives who did. I didn't want to follow Christ. I thought, I've got too many friends that will make fun of me, cut ties with me. I want to be popular. I want to be around these guys. So I, I was blinded by the nature of the group that I ran with. My friends, and I don't have time to get into the story, but my friends pushed me into a fight I really didn't want to get into. And when it blew up and when several guys jumped in against me, my buddies ran off and left me. And buddy, did that open up my eyes. And I said to myself, if this is what my friends are all about, I don't need friends like this. Three weeks later, I was born again because I was so shook up because I saw the truth of the people. I was hanging around. The God of this world had been blinding my mind. Two things, you pray for somebody who does not know the Lord. You take authority over Satan who blinds their minds. 
Number two, you pray that God will send a laborer to them to tell them the story. Don't pray God save them. God's already saved them. He's already done the work to save them. It's not a matter of them being saved. The saving has been done on God's end. They have to receive it, and they can't receive it until they have a messenger. You may not be the messenger. God may have to use someone other than you to do it. In fact, if it's a family member, there's a very real possibility. It'll be someone other than you because sometimes our familial ties weaken our influence, but then someone comes along just like us, tells our loved one the very same things that we've been saying, but somehow they hear it. And God knows exactly who those people are. He has some folks who can get to your son, your daughter, your brother, your sister, your mom, your dad. You can pray for them effectively. Now, the Bible says we were in this sin that was once habitual and we obeyed its unseen ruler, the world's unseen ruler. He's still operating in those who don't respond to the truth of God. But things have changed. Now, we were bound by temptations of the flesh and mind. When you go back and you look at the first temptation, the one that the serpent brought to Eve in the Garden of Eden, it, it was an appeal, first of all, to the flesh. She saw that the fruit of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was good to the touch, good to the taste. And, now here's the mental one, it would make one wise. And so uh, there were two realms she was tempted in, first in the flesh, then in the mind. There was no consideration at all toward the spirit. All right, now look at this. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 4, 5, and 6, 26 translations. The Bible talks about us being in the control of these demonic powers. But God, who is rich in mercy, because of His intense love, even though our sins had made dead men of us, gave life to us by giving life to the Christ. In other words, when He raised Christ in His mind, He's raising us too. It is, remember, by grace and not by achievement, that you are saved. Now listen to this. And He has lifted us right out of the old life to take our place with Him in Christ Jesus in the heavens. I'm going to read to you from the book of Ephesians chapter 1. This is a prayer that Paul prayed for the church of Ephesus. Uh, verse 15, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus, your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. All right. Now, let's go down. He prays that we know, in verse 19, what is the exceeding greatness of His power toward us who believe according to the working of His mighty power, which He worked in Christ when He raised Him from the dead and seated Him at His right hand in the heavenly places. Now, this is what Paul prayed. He prayed that we would know what this power is for us. But it's the power that was used to raise Christ from the dead and to lift Christ up from the earth and to sit Him at God's right hand. But, but Paul prays that we would know that this power is for us. So here's what happened. God raised us from the dead and God lifted us up and He set us in Christ at His own right hand. Now, verse 21 is critical. you got to see this. It's far above all principality. These are the demonic powers. Principality and power and might and dominion. Those are the names of the positions of invisible rulers. They're always listed in the New Testament in four classes. You see the same thing in Ephesians 6. 
And every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in that which is to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him to be head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Every last member of the body of Christ is above those demonic powers. Even if you're the soul on the bottom of the foot, you're still above those powers. Now this is what I want you to think about. How can you be under the power of sin if God raised you up above these evil rulers and put you in a throne above God, at the right hand of God, above them all, but yet you're somehow still dominated by all of them? That they still have control over you? That sin still controls you? Absolutely not. That doesn't mean we still don't slip up from time to time. But we have been freed from the evil power of those rulers and sins. If we fall back into sin, it is because we have not allowed our recreated spirit to work its work in us. So let me take you to this threefold assignment. This is what we are to do. We feed the spirit. The more you feed it, the stronger it gets. We, number two, renew the mind. We change the way our thinking goes. And we're not renewing our minds back to something we once had. We are renewing our minds back to the knowledge of God that Adam had. That's the renewal of the mind. I don't need to go back to my, my early days before I knew Christ to renew my mind to that. I am renewing my mind to that ultimate place, where God created me in total righteousness with Him. That's what i got to renew my mind to. And thirdly, I have to control my flesh. And I can do that once I understand I have this power in my recreated spirit. Wow. This is how we've been called to walk. So, you have a new man. You're a new person. And uh, it's amazing how it changes the way you think when you realize that. Hey, this is all the time I've got today. We're going to pick up here. We're going to pick up here uh, next week, and I'm going to get into more of the meat of this. And uh, so be sure and share this with somebody. Let them know that they could listen in and be blessed by this. And then if you don't already have the uh, email devotional comes, be sure to go to myfaithroots.com and get it. I'll see you next week. Thanks. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Ratings and reviews help us reach more people. So take a moment to leave a review on your podcast app and consider sharing an episode with a friend or family member that needs to be built up and encouraged in the Lord today. Thank you for listening.